Imagine if you are a 22-year-old and you just released your debut album and it was a big hit. How would you feel? That is a question I get to ask Emmanuel Wilkins, who is a 22-year-old saxophonist from Philadelphia, who happened to meet up with pianist Jason Moran, who later would produce his first album, and he would get a green light from Don Was from the Blue Note record label. The album is called Omega, and it was released August 7th, 2020, and a month later, you have a hit on your hands. Today on the phone, I have Emmanuel Wilkins, and we will chat about Omega, Cheesesteaks, and Mary Turner. My name is Tom Galker, and I am your host of Something Came From Baltimore. Before we chat with Emmanuel, let's listen to a song on the album, The Dreamer. Daniel Wilkins, welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Cool. Thanks for having me. Now, your album came out in August 7th, 2020, as uh, the release date. Uh, the album's yep. called, it's a debut album, and it's on the Blue Note Records. It's called Omega. It's been out for uh, a month, so we're just, uh, you basically had a month to settle in. And it's a hit. It has great reviews, high spins. Blue Note is is working it. It's in a lot of mixes. So for a young guy with a debut record with all this positive, you know, feedback, how how do you feel about that? It feels good to me. I mean, we've been sitting on the music for uh, about a year and a half now. We recorded in January 2019. So the music isn't quite fresh in that way, to me at least. Uh, so I'm just kind of happy that people are hearing it. It, it, feels, it feels weird. Because it, it doesn't really feel like a, a real, um, like I feel like I, I've really kind of let go of the music when the public has to start to hear it. So it, it's an interesting feeling for me. You've moved on, but you, now you have to go backwards. And you're like, wait a minute, yeah. I, I've already moved on. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. It's like, I, I see most, most of this music is even, I think, the oldest music in our repertoire as a band. So it's like we're, we're already kind of working backwards. It's almost like, like we're backlogged about four records at this point. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a repertoire we have, you know. So it's, it's, it's definitely interesting, you know. You're going to do one of those dumps like uh, Kamasi Washington and put out the epic. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and catch yourself up to where, you know, everyone needs to be. Blue Note's awesome. Don was president of mm-hmm. the Jazz Division. And if people don't know who Don was, is he's a... He was in a group called Was Not Was, and he's a great producer. So he, he's worked with uh, B-52's Bonnie Raitt, uh, Rolling Stone, and now he's working this label. Did he work with you? Was there a delay getting this this uh, out? Well, actually, we met before I recorded. Uh, we met at one of um, a gig I was playing with Jason Moran on. Jason introduced me to Don, and then we actually got the record to him after we had recorded it. And I remember he, he just called me and was like, hey, man, do you, you want to put this out on Blue Note? He's like, yeah, that was it. Simple. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was a really cool, you know, it was a really cool experience. Wow. <laughs> like, all right. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, I wasn't expecting that, but that's how cool is that? Now, uh, Jason Moran is, I'm a super fan of his. 
and uh, <laughs> he, yeah, 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 he's awesome. He really is. I get excited when he has material out. It was 2002. It was an album called Modernistic, uh, where he Oops. did a cool version of Planet Rock, which is a, yeah. a, a hip hop song. probably four when when i found out about him right so 2002 yeah okay yeah so yeah yeah, how about that you guys are flip-flopped like he was a a young guy at that point breaking out into the scene and and getting a lot of amazing buzz how did your relationship evolve that you got to work with him now i I met jason moran at an aretha franklin concert when i was uh probably like 12 or 13 oh my god you have Um, really cool stories (laughs) Man, it's <laughs> definitely like a very, yeah, I, very random, uh, <laughs> very cool, cool little uh, anecdotes. Um, yeah, we met at a recent Franklin concert. I walked up to him. I was like, hey, man, you know, you're Dick Moran. <laughs> you know, so we, we talked for a little while. And uh, for, for a while, I was just kind of the, the kid he would see at all of his gigs in Philly, you know. And then once I moved to New York, I was playing, and I remember I played a, uh, I sat after Nasheed Waits, his drummer, and um, Nasheed hit up Jason and was like, hey, man, you remember that little kid who was at all the shows? Like, you know, you should probably call him for some gigs. He sounds pretty good. <laughs> so um, that's how that's how we started working together. We we had a good relationship up from, up before then, you know, but it was more or less, you know, very much me just kind of asking questions, uh, taking a friend about certain stuff. So, yeah, he, he's been instrumental to me since I was young. Wow. Boy, did you pick fantastic mentor to, to kind of work with. Okay, so this is your Philly question. Are you ready? I'm ready for okay. it. Okay, Pats, D'Alessandro's, Geno's, Tony Luke's, or Jim's? Um, I Actually, uh, Jim's, Jim's is, of that, of that list, I'm going with Jim's. Uh-huh. A lot I'm of people like Ischibibbles, which I told Ischibibbles, I don't really, I'm not really into it. Uh-huh. <laughs> me neither. Man, Max's, Max's is the one to me. Uh, Matches is that, and that one I'm I'm actually fairly new to to finding about it, uh, finding out about that one. But that one's that one's pretty hidden. Uh, okay, so this is for the audience. Okay, what we're talking about is cheesesteaks. These are major cheesesteak locations. All of them are like world renowned, famous. I have to admit, we're in such a weird, turbulent time. So if your material was done. Roughly two years ago, you're you're talking about Mary Turner, which important yeah. today. Like your your yep. music is like like dead on now. It, yeah, it's funny how it kind of aged. It's, it's funny yeah. how things aged. It's perfect timing. Sure. Basically, so the, I'll start off with, with the um, 
with Michael Brown Ferguson situation. I was in school when that happened. That happened like right around my birthday. I was born on the day that my record came out. <laughs> August seventh is my birthday, uh, and so the uh, Michael Brown thing happened. I think on the fifth of August. So it happened around the time of my birthday, and you know he was close in age to me, so it it had some sort of relevance to me in that time, and that was maybe one of the first like big uprisings I had seen somewhere where I'm like, wow, this is like, like visually, this is something to, you know what I mean? It's like, it commands your attention completely and always, you know? Um, and so it, it definitely had like an immense impact on me early on. Um, basically what I was interested in was when I would see these, like when I was writing the piece, I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, when I see these like things happening in the, like, unarmed black folks, I always, like, think to myself, like, it feels more, um, it feels more severe than just the one time. It, it feels like I'm actually carrying a whole lineage of these killings on my back when I, when I, like, see a video of a Walter Scott or any, any of these kind of uh, police brutality things. And so what I started to get interested in was how these things kind of spark generational trauma for us as black folks in a visual way and thus emotionally. And so that kind of led me into like researching a lot of like older lynchings. And there was a bunch of lynchings that happened in uh, May of 1918, one of which was Mary Turner, which is one of the, I'll give a brief thing. It's, it's about this woman who kind of publicly decreed her, her husband's killing, you know, he, he was, he, he uh, was convicted of doing something wrongly convicted. Um, and she spoke up about it, then they ended up lynching her. She was pregnant, and so they they uh, cut out the baby. It's a really graphic situation. And I guess for me, it was just about kind of highlighting this idea that, you know, us as black folk, we, we may not know all of the stories, yet we somehow feel that kind of thing in our DNA when these things keep continue to happen. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what I was, what I was dealing with. Nineteen eighteen, Mary Turner. She's a young woman. She was twenty-one years old and was lynched by an angry mob in Georgia for having protesting the lynching death of her husband, uh, Hazel Turner, the day before. So he died the day before. She was upset and protested it, and then they went after her. This story is one of many, and I, I never heard of it before, and it makes me embarrassed. Uh, no, 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 I feel you. I mean, I, I hadn't heard of it either. In 1913 in Georgia, there was 450 documented lynchings. That's documented just in Georgia wow. in that one year. That's amazing. And that's sinful. And 
uh, you know, we're, I, I didn't ask a lot of questions cause I thought, oh, we're going to get into, you know, some thought provoking, you know, your, your music is, is, is bringing up really like current subjects right now. But, you know, when I look at Facebook, all I can say is when someone say black lives matter and they say all lives matter, I just want to say to them, look, people on this earth are saying they're hurting and don't you want to just help them heal? Don't you want to be yeah. a part of that healing? Like, why would you brush that off? If someone came up to you and said, I am in pain, don't you want to help them? Like, I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. The thing of empathy. I mean, uh, one thing I, uh, I've been thinking about a lot is, um, that I think as people of color, as, any sort of like marginalized uh, group of people in ways have a really like interesting relation to empathy. And what I mean by that is like we go through, like let's take like cinema, for example. You're watching cinema with like, okay, pre predominantly white male actors. As a black person, like you're able, like there's a fundamental like you live life with a fundamental reality of being able to see see yourself in someone else's shoes at all times, you know. Um, That's and so, a duality, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's two perspectives, exactly. One as who you are, and one as you're supposed to be seen in the world. Yep, yep, exactly. You know. That's schizophrenic. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. you're you're creating a schizophrenic experience just because you're it's a survival technique. It's not oh, this is what I got to do to survive. Yeah, you know, I I wish we would just do like podcasts or conversations about this topic in depth, mm -hmm. and and people just really pour their hearts out, and people have the ability to listen because. Um, that's really what we're at. We're at the open wound part and to, yeah. to grow. It's the part of going to the next stage is actually listening to each other. And I, I you know, we're, it's so big. It feels like, uh, it's not going to, it's hard to do, but, um, I think we're at the time. It's time to listen. Um, otherwise it's just going to continually be an open wound. Definitely. Yep. Um, yep, I got two more songs for you to, <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> Grace and Mercy is a big radio hit. And uh, it's it's cool because I, I listen to Spotify and it seems like it pops up, you know, on a random. So I don't know how that does it, but it's on a heavy rotation, which is awesome. Um, That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And uh, it's a great song, too. Um, I know it's on your Wayback Machine about two years ago, but do you remember... Uh, your thoughts about um, the song. Yeah. Um, uh, well, one one thing I was trying to do with the album was I, I was really trying to uh, deal with 
both like super grotesque like material and then super sublime material. Um, and I grew up playing in church. I grew up playing piano in the church. Um, and that's kind of responsible for a lot of my compositional process. Um, and I think this one was more just about like, um, you know, my spiritual, uh, endeavors, I guess, uh, and just kind of figuring that stuff out, um, and thinking about how, you know, just, you know, I, I don't know, just kind of dealing with things of like being thankful, um, had more humility, uh, Compassion, gratefulness, you know, uh, that, that's, that's kind of what that, what that thing was about, loosely. second single releases warriors and i think that's a really gutsy choice there is like uh like a, a dip in of coltrane or um henderson or, or rollins kind of vibe into that what was your influences because you're i think you're just going a little free form yeah um a, a lot of it uh came from um the miles davis quartet i was really thinking about miles davis second quartet with that tune um, but also I'd say that uh, the band in general, I kind of based the band concept around the John Coltrane Quartet. Um, and so, yeah, I, there's definitely a lot of that influence in it. Um, and yeah, the, the, the tune is really just about kind of, um, I don't know, I, it, it kind of came from me looking around at, you know, the people around me, my community, my friends, uh, and just kind of thinking about how we are kind of brothers in arms in a way, and we, you know, uh, have kind of collective battles that we fight for, you know, as well as individual ones. Yeah. You know, do you feel like overwhelmed by the success of the record? Do you feel like it's, uh, you know, like you're in the pandemic period, this album just came out. Maybe I should be working it. I should be out on the road or, yeah, I, I think I think I'm uh I'm more or less just kinda of motivated to push it even more. Uh I think me me and, and the rest of the band members have a pretty delete uh deep belief in the music itself and so I think that um it's really just been kind of a motivation to, to make sure that people get to hear it, put it in people's hands. Um I'm I'm usually pretty uh pretty uh reclusive you know I, I like to stay in the house <laughs> uh -huh. um I, I, although I, I i don't know I, I also like hanging out with people but you know i so but right now i've been kind of taking everything i've been doing everything because uh i do want people to hear the music um and so no i, I don't think i'm overwhelmed by it i think it's just like a motivator to to go to the next level it. so yeah, what, you're, yeah. what you're saying is that the pandemic hasn't affected you because you 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 do solitude stuff anyways like, like yeah I, yeah pretty much man i i've i've been surprised actually at myself um how long i can stay in the house <laughs> you know <laughs> no no i know i know 
Well, it's weird because, you know, uh, it seems like it's over. You know, I was like, I think everyone's out now. I, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I guess it's time to go out now because it seems like everyone's just started doing it. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I <laughs> That's the same feeling I had. It's like, well, I, I guess it's just fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no one said it was, but I guess we're just going to do it and see what happens. Herd mentality. So the album is called Omega, and it's on the Blue Note Records. Emmanuel Watkins, uh, thank you very much for speaking thank to me. You. Something came from Baltimore. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Hi, it's Tom Gowker, and I am the host of Something Came from Baltimore. Something Came from Baltimore is a words and music podcast, and it has famous and future famous artists, artists like Sean Jones, Rupert Holmes, Auntie Hammy. Joey DeFrancesco, Go-Go Penguin, Joey Alexander, Bucanti, Gerald Albright, Paula Cole, and Kat Edmondson. It's music that matters. It's music for your ears. Listen and subscribe to Something Came From Baltimore and be a part of that Be More music scene. Something came from Baltimore. Something came from Baltimore. Something came from Baltimore.